And uh, there's been a son of the, in the faith that has been raised up in this house. And you know him because he leads phenomenal worship for us almost every Sunday. He's our worship pastor. But you may or may not know this. He's also got a teaching gift. And so today we are giving platform to Josh Hamilton uh, as a teacher in this house. So this is his debut. So let's welcome Josh Hamilton. Thanks. Wow, here I am. Good morning. Turn to someone and tell them God is for you and not against you. God is for you, not Tell them that he has plans for them. And that Tom Briggs is the goat. <laughs> no, I know, I know all of you are looking at me with judging eyes, so I'd like to read a scripture. Blessed are you when people insult you. And say all kinds of evil against you because of the patriots. That's the Josh translation. So I, I, in honor of you today, I will take off the jersey so that the words, <laughs> the words will not fall on deaf ears, okay? Okay, I'm going to take this off now. Are you happy? <laughs> I love you guys. I love you guys. Well, I love this church. Um, my wife and I have been coming here about nine years, uh, instant family when we arrived. Uh, what I love about this church is that we champion each other, and we see the gold in others, and we call it out, and we pray for each other, and I, mean, I, just, I just love you guys so much, so thank you for this opportunity. Uh, my goal today is for us to be encouraged by the faithfulness of God and for our faith to increase, Right? Faith is rising in this house. We are seeing it by signs and wonders and miracles happening on Sunday, not just on Sunday, but in, in our individual lives as well. Are you guys seeing that? It's amazing. Um, there are actually a few things I want to accomplish today. Uh, I want to spark a little faith. Uh, we're going to go over taking action. I'm going to back that up using examples from Scripture. I'm going to share a little on staying connected to the source, uh, God our Father. I will share a couple stories from my life and what God is, is, was doing, and is still doing. And we'll get real on the last point about process, because we are all in process, and God is with us in that process. Amen? Cool. So the title of my message, I mean, I, I wrestled with so many different titles because I have so much in the tank I want to share and speak to you guys about. Just share my heart with you. I felt like the power comes from the heart. And from life experience of going through that, right? So the title of my message today is Seeking God in Faith. Seeking God in Faith, Staying Connected. Uh, let's open up our Bibles to Hebrews 11.1 1 and just give a quick definition of what faith is. And I will primarily be reading from the Passion Translation today. Isn't that a good version? It just, it's just like a conversation with somebody. It's so good. It's so good. It comes alive for me. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So, my first point, faith requires action. 
Faith requires action. James 2, verse 14 says, My dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? This kind of reminds me of uh, the, two, the, the parable of the sons. Everyone remember that one? Uh, the parable of the sons. One son said, um, well, the father asked the two sons, will you go work in my vineyard? The first son said yes, but he didn't do it. And then he asked the other son, will you go work in the vineyard? He said no, but he ended up doing it. Who, which son did his father's will was the second one. That was the parable. Um, also, too, if I, like, it kind of reminds me, too, of when I have a tendency to make promises that I can't keep or just be overly optimistic about, um, hey, babe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this this year. I'm going to get better with, with not overspending, uh, not buying fast food. I'm going to control that. <laughs> I'm going to control that. And then, you know, about four days into the month, you're already at 40 bucks, you know, into this thing. And you're like, man, I thought I had that, you know. So having, having the ambition without the action behind it doesn't really work. Let's continue reading. How could this kind of faith save anyone? For example, if a brother or sister in the faith is poorly clothed and hungry, and you leave them saying, goodbye, I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat, but you don't provide them with a coat and even a cup of soup, what good is your faith? Right? Zero. So then faith that doesn't involve action is phony. I love this translation. This is so good. <laughs> it's like message, but a little bit more. <laughs> James 2.26. For just as a human body without the spirit is a dead corpse, so faith without the expression of good works is dead. We are seeing faith in action. We're seeing it in action because of our fasting, you know? Have you ever had the fed-up anointing before? You know what, that, you know what I mean by that? So the the fed-up anointing. I have an example. <laughs> John has it. I've had it. My daughter, Selah, when she was a toddler, she had a real bad problem with her intestinal uh, stuff, some intestinal issues. She was severely constipated, like severely constipated, even talking about like surgery with the doctors and stuff like that. And that, was, that was an option on the table. And we're like, she's two years old. Why is she going to have surgery? But we had x-rays done, and you could see everything on the, uh, on the, you know, on the screen. And we're like, this was poor kid. She'd be playing, you know, she'd be playing all of a sudden, just drop to the floor, holding her gut, and just be there uncomfortable and it was just so sad to see that, praying, you know, praying over her, trying to see the release and stuff like that, and nothing. And that, you know, many of you know me, I wrote a song called The Poopy Song. <laughs> that song was out of a desperate cry <laughs> just to help her along. So she'd be in her crib, and I'd be like, jumping up and down to get the poopies out. So Yeah. And so she'd be there, and all of a sudden she'd stop and be like, Yes, it worked, the release. Sometimes, sometimes. I got the fed-up anointing after a while. I'm just like, I am not going to put my two-year-old through a gastric bypass surgery of, of sorts and try to fix this issue. She was even on Miralax. She was even on that, all that kind of stuff, too. It wasn't really working. So I just decided I'm going to go to battle for her. I'm going to go to battle for her because she can't fight for herself. So, one day of fasting, 
She hasn't had a problem since. You get this boldness that comes on you as a child of God when you are just fed up with the enemy's little, like, <laughs> teasing you. Just like, I'm just done. I am done messing around with you, devil. Can I get an amen? There we go. <laughs> we're seeing the kingdom come and healings take place because we're supposed to see that as children of God. We are supposed to be seeing this stuff. This is normal. It's naturally supernatural. We should be seeing this in our country more and more every service. All throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus healing all that came to him. But what was the key phrase he said to them right before they received healing? What was the key thing that he said to them right before the healing took place? Does anyone know that? Close. According to your faith. According to your faith, you'll be healed. Let's read Luke chapter 8, verse 43 and 48. I'm going to be doing a little bit more scripture reading today because, one, the Passion Translation just kind of spells it out, and it says it a lot better than I ever could. And it just comes alive for me. I hope it's coming alive for you today. You guys feeling this word so far? Right on. Jesus started to go with him to his home to see her. He's talking about the father that came to him. Um, to have Jesus come back to his house to pray for his daughter that was lying sick in bed. So Jesus immediately got up, uh, started to go with him to his home to see her. But a large crowd surrounded him. In the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered greatly for 12 years from slow bleeding, even though she had spent all that she had on essential oils. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she still suffered. No, I'm just playing. That stuff works. <laughs> it works. It does. <laughs> We're just distilling thieves all day long in our house. Just get the germs out. Get them out. <laughs> Pressing in through the crowd, she came, up behind she came up behind Jesus and touched the tassel of his prayer shawl. Instantly, her bleeding stopped and she was healed. I'm sorry. I'm going to laugh. Jesus suddenly stopped and said to his disciples, somebody touched me. Who is it? This is cool right here. Listen to this. While they all denied it, Peter pointed out, Master, um, everyone is touching you? Trying to get close to you? The crowds are so thick, we can't walk through all these people without being jostled. Jesus replied, yes. Listen, but I felt power surge through me. Someone touched me to be healed, and they received their healing. Can you imagine just walking all of a sudden going, Pfft. someone touched me. You feel that surge of power. Oh, it's so good. But I felt power surge through me. Someone touched me to be healed, and they received their healing. When the woman realized she couldn't hide any longer, she came and fell trembling at Jesus' feet before the entire crowd. She declared, I was desperate to touch you, Jesus, for I knew I could just touch even the fringe of your robe, I would be healed. I knew if I could just touch even the fringe of your robe, I would be healed. Jesus responded, beloved daughter, your faith in me has released your healing. 
Is there faith in the house today? Mm-hmm. You may go in peace. She was seeking after God in faith, and that faith released healing in her life. So at the end of service today, uh, at the end of the message, um, I'm going to read a, a pretty large portion of Scripture, like I was saying. It's gonna, I, I feel like God's going to do something in that Scripture with our identity and with our trust in God with the process. Um, but we're going to open up the altar for prayer and go after this thing. Okay? So if you have any sickness in your body, if you have anything at all you need prayer for, come boldly today. Come boldly. I encourage you to do that. Point number two. Seeking God in faith keeps us connected to the source. What is the reward of seeking after something? What is the reward of seeking after something? You get what you after. You get what you are seeking after. So I'll liken this to this story here. When Daryl Lee goes shopping. Don't worry, it's all good. When Daryl Lee goes shopping... She doesn't look like, like right in the middle of the front, uh, front of the store, see what's on the mannequin, see all that, and pick out the most expensive thing. She will go beeline right to the clearance section and hunt and find, you know, nine bags full of stuff worth 10 bucks. You know, and come like, hey, buddy, look what I found for like 10 bucks. I'm like, wow. Me, on the other hand, I like the expensive stuff. I'll walk into a store and be like, $120 jeans? Okay, cool. And that's it. And that's all I'll get. So she tells me the sexiest thing that you can do is find a deal. So guess what my 2019 goals are? <laughs> Frugal Frank. <laughs> uh, the reward for diligently seeking God is finding him. The reward for diligently seeking God and finding him is finding your true identity. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. See, God wants all of your heart today. Not some of it. He wants all of you. God is not like, I've heard Mark touch on this before. God is not like a, like a video game augmenting your life. Like, you're doing your normal thing, and then, I'm just going to add a little bit of religion. going to add a little bit of God, be positive, you know, do good things. He's not an augment to your life. You were dead in sin. And now you are alive in Christ. Mm -hmm. We were dead in sin. Christ came, gave his life, his life in us and through us. Galatians 2.20, I know that's not on there, um, but I wanted to share that. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So your faith, let's get to this word here. We're going we're gonna to go to Hebrews 11, 11. This is a cool scripture. I love this scripture. Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive, even though she was barren and was past the age of childbearing. For the authority of her faith rested on the one who made the promise, and she tapped into his faithfulness. I got a picture when I was reading this, tapped into his faithfulness like a maple tree, and you get the syrup tap in the side of it. It takes a little bit of work to get that in there, but it's plugged into the vine, and it's getting that sweet stuff out of the tree. 
Her faith had the authority to tap into his faithfulness. She was connected to the source. Your faith has authority when you stay connected. John 15, verse 4 through 11. This is another. I was all over John 15 at the, at the turn of the year. Every time I try to deviate from, from when I was doing devotions, God would always bring me back here because I wanted fruit in my life. This is how you get the fruit in your life. This is how you get the fruit. John 15, 4 through 11. So you must remain in life union with me. For I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life immediately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine, and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Just, just uh, such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. Why did Sarah's faith have authority? She was tapped into his faithfulness, connected to the source. How did Sarah tap into God's faithfulness? Now, yeah, Sarah did try to expedite God's timing. How many of you have tried to do that before? Yeah, God, you're not going fast enough, so I'm just going to try to, you know move this along. And she got an Ishmael out of that one. But the promise, the promise was for Abraham and Sarah, not for Abraham and Hagar. Even though the promise was spoken over Abraham, and, you know, his nation was still going to be established through Ishmael, Middle East, the promise was through Sarah's womb. So don't, in an effort to expedite God's timing and plan for your life, lose Isaac and get an Ishmael. There's a process to this. Remain in life union with Jesus. Point, oh, here we go. I want to I allude to this. She heard it, God's promise, believed it. I'm alluding to your other message. You like that, huh? <laughs> I'm a musician. Everything's got to flow right? Are you getting some out of this today? Good. I am so happy. My heart, my heart was to just make sure that there was a connection, you know, and I feel like it's doing that. So praise God. She heard it. God's promise believed it. He would do that. He said what he said he would do, did it. Well, where do you think babies come from? And saw it. Pregnant. She chose to believe in his promise. Of course, she had to step back into God's timing after the whole Hagar and Ishmael thing. But she realigned herself with God's plan and timing, conceived and birthed the promise. So if you're feeling shame for missing the, the mark, if you're feeling like you're missing the mark this morning, come in realignment today. Come in realignment today. Now is your opportunity. You haven't missed it. His mercy is new every morning, and his mercy is for you today. Right on. Third point, seek God in faith. 
we can look back and see what he has faithfully done and have faith to see him do it again. That's why we look back. You look in the Old Testament, there's constant reminders of how God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. Constant reminders of like, look what I've done for you. I split the sea so you could walk right through it. I'll remind you of what I've done for you. That's so that you can have faith to see him do miraculous in your life now, and so you'll have faith to see him do the miraculous in your life in the future too. Trust. It's all about trust. So I'd like to share a couple stories with you. Um, One in particular is the story about how Darylee and I got here. We were living in Connecticut at the time, and I was a worship leader for, you know, about a 100-member, 150-member church, Hamden, Connecticut. How many know where Hamden, Connecticut is? Got a few of you here, okay. I'm a Massachusetts boy from Boston, and everyone says, oh, Boston, park the car. I'm like, no, it's more like, get off my grass or I'm going to punch you in the mouth. (laughs) No, no, we're really nice. My family's going to watch this. They're like, yeah, go. (laughs) That's how we are. (laughs) <laughs> so it all started when Daryl um, was asking God to put a dream in her heart. And she began to see this theme consistently happening throughout her life, dream big. This was back in 2008, I think, 2009, am I right? Around that time? Dream big. And I believe that the Dream Big California thing, I was just doing some research online a little bit, that didn't come out or start to get notoriety till about 2013. So may, some of you may know the backstory on that, but we didn't start noticing it till about 2013. California Dream Big. So I think God was just planting prophetic words in us. Dream Big, California. Dream Big, it's out there. She kept seeing Dream Big, uh, began to see a lot of prophetic words around that phrase. In the decision-making process, this is a cool story. In the decision-making process, we were sitting in Starbucks. We had come out for vacation one time to kind of test things out and see, is this really what God wants for us? You know, we're plugged in. We got our family. We got friends. We got a church. I got a job, all that kind of stuff. Moving 3,000 miles away? God, are you serious? So we're sitting in Starbucks, and... um, we're saying we, we just don't have the money to buy plane tickets to come out here for another vacation. And so she was looking at me. She's like, okay, well, if God says go, are you, are you, like, you ready to go without going like, on vacation and just check it out? I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to have to be. It's, I mean, it's God. <laughs> so 20 minutes later after we decided, now nah, we're just not going to go, we met a pastor friend out here on our previous vacation. He calls us 20 minutes later. He's like, hey, Josh, um, my wife and I were, uh, were, were praying, and we really feel like God told us to buy you guys a couple plane tickets to come out here and see if this is where you're supposed to be. And so, and so I was like, are you serious, man? Oh, my gosh. You think I'd learn, right? No. We came out for vacation, and I'm all, like, in the back seat, like, it's dry. There's no trees. No forests. It's not New England. It's not New England. There's no yards, babe. Look, there's no yards. There's houses like. Where's the yards? The beach is your yard. 
Yeah, it is. <laughs> so on the plane ride back, um, yeah, I was reading a book about growing as a man and, and your faith and, and just becoming the man of the house, getting stronger. Um, there was a phrase that stuck out to me. I don't remember the author's name, but as we were talking about this whole thing, I'm, I'm looking at Daryl Lee, and I'm looking at the book, and I'm like, yeah, I see this phrase. Don't let your sentimentalities hold you back from where God is calling you. <laughs> All right, God. <laughs> so it took me a little, a little bit more. It took me a little bit more, and then I had just decided in faith, if God wanted us out here, then he would provide. God was big enough to close the doors if it was the wrong move. So we'll move. Okay, we'll move. If it starts going bad, we just move right back. We sold everything that we had, moved to UTC. I didn't have no job. I didn't have nothing. I needed faith. I put my faith to work in that, in that moment. She had TGI Fridays in, U, in, in UTC, so I'm like, all right, well, if God's calling us out here, we're just going to do it. We stayed at KOA campgrounds all the way across the country, and we roughed it. It was so good. But I'd do it again. I would totally do it again. I loved that. Ten days. We took our time getting across the country. It was so wonderful. Um, but we get here. Three weeks of Craigslisting. I found a job at a pest control company. And I'm back at that company now, which I'll allude to. Uh, I'll, get, I'll get to on my last point. Um, but three weeks, found a job. Seven months later, we found GPC. And we walked. Uh, it was Labor Day picnic up on Hilltop Park. And we walked on. It was just like, this feels right. You know, when you walk into a place, it's just like chemistry instantly. You feel at home. That's exactly what we felt. Tim Larkin, um, Brian Riley, a few others, immediately was like, hey, how are you? They welcomed us in, started asking us questions about our life, wh what we were doing there. They prayed for us, got us plugged into a connect group right away. If you are not in a connect group, it's the lifeblood of, of the church. It's the lifeblood of, of growing as a believer. I'm telling you right now, do life together with somebody. Get involved in a connect group. So I find it funny, I was, as I was writing this sermon, I find it funny. On Labor Day 2010, we found our spiritual family. Labor Day, two years later, Selah was born. Our physical family. One of, the, one of the prophetic words that was spoken over us as soon as we got here was just like, plant. It's time to establish roots. I'm so much more blessed having stepped out in faith. I mean, we've been here nine years. I've grown so much as a man of God, as a husband, and as a father. I never thought I'd be living out in California. I thought I was going to be in New Hampshire or Massachusetts or Connecticut, let alone 3,000 miles away. But God has plans. God is moving. God was moving, and he, he had something in store for us to come here, to be blessed by this family. And to be a blessing. So faith required action. And I put my faith to work. Hebrews 11, verse 8 through 10. 
Faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call. Faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call and leave the familiar to discover the territory he was destined to inherit from God. This is my verse. This was my verse. So he left with only a promise and without even knowing ahead of time where he was going. Abraham stepped out in faith. He lived by faith as an immigrant in his, in his promised land as though it belonged to somebody else. He journeyed through the land living in tents, KOA campgrounds, with Isaac and Jacob, and were persuaded that they were also co-heirs of the same promise. His eyes of faith were set on the city with unshakable foundations, whose architect and builder is God himself. Are you encouraged this morning? So I want to close with sharing one last story and my last point, and then we'll stand to our feet as we read a portion of Scripture together. No. And as we read the scripture together, I'd like for us to uh, put our hand over our hearts and identify as children of God and God our Father. Does that sound good? Can we do that? Not right now. We're gonna, I'm going to share really quick. My last point, uh, seeking God in faith will help us trust God in the process. I'm a service manager for pest control company in, in here in San Diego. And before that, I was a, in, in sales. I was a salesman for, a, uh, for an outside, you know, for a pest control company, outside sales guy. That was a miserable job for me. Even though I kind of, it seems like I have the personality for it to a certain degree, it just was rough having to hustle to try to make the money and make the sales. It was difficult, you know, it's like one month you'd be on top of the world, next month you're like, how the heck are we going to pay our bills? So I was just praying, like, Lord, begging God for an open door and an opportunity. Got a phone call from somebody that I had worked for for the first company that I worked for when I first got here to California. And they offered, hey, how'd you like to make a lot more money? I'm like, hey, buddy, how'd you like to make a lot more money? Uh, sure, yeah, what's, what's up? What's going on? He said, well, there's a service manager position that opened up at uh, this pest control company, and um, they want you to come in and, uh, and, and see if you can change the culture and all that stuff. So optimistically, and, you know, I live in the world of ideals. I'm like, I could do this. We're going to rock this place. It's going to be the best pest control company in San Diego. You get there, and it's like, what the heck happened? The infrastructure of that you know, of that department because of stuff that had happened was just in shambles. And I was coming in, hired to come in and change the culture, correct behavior, and, and bring about just a, a stronger work ethic. But I couldn't do it because the current manager in the same position there, uh, he, he lost the wind in his sales a long time ago. And he was just kind of going through the motions. Things were falling through the cracks. People were getting lazy, calling out sick all the time not following policy, their trucks looked like terrible. And I had to come in and try to change all that. But we still needed to get work done. So pest control industry, huge industry, uh, managing 20-something people and trying to correct behavior. Never been a service manager in my life before, but, you know, God, what are you doing? You know, move me into a position where I am way over my head felt underqualified. 
beyond myself. I was coming home. I must have vented to John 2,000 times, my wife 5,000 times, and just prayed, 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 prayed. I wanted to quit, folks. I wanted to quit so many times. But it took a cloud of witnesses like yourself to remind me that God was training me. God put me in a position for a reason. He put me there for a reason. So, yeah, overwhelmed. Didn't know if I was going to make it. Felt like I was going to get fired. Yet, the favor of God was on my life. The favor of God was on my life. I could feel it. I'm like, stop, God, stop promoting me because I'm going to fall. That was all fear. That wasn't faith. That was fear. But it took the faith of others to see what God was doing in my life from an outside perspective to make just stay put, man. Stay put. You need other people, I'm telling you right now. You need brothers and sisters in your life walking the walk with you because you are going to stumble around in your faith. You're going to stumble around. And you need them to hold you up like Moses' arms in that battle. You need them to hold your arms up when you feel like you don't have any strength. God was working behind the scenes, and I had to choose to persevere through the process. I could see that all the trials and tribulations stretching beyond my capacity was building strength, building character, and building leadership in me. I'm still there. I'm still going through that. So the transition was, I was going through all that stuff. The other manager quit. And it's like overnight, overnight, things started to change. Behavior started to change. Everyone started wearing their uniforms. Training was getting more efficient and better. And I'm tr- I-, I train every single morning these guys on how to, ta- how to communicate with customers and how to, how to do proper treatments on pest control. And it's getting better. We have one of the most profitable branches in the nation right now. And I'm just being myself. <laughs> That's refreshing. It's great because I recognize what God was doing all throughout the end of 2017, 2018, and into the beginning of 2019. I could see now what he's doing. He's training me to be a leader. He's training me to to trust in his process because he sees it. He sees your future. He sees what he's doing inside of you. You have to trust. You have to trust that he is a good father. Are you hearing me today? He is a good father. And I constantly apologize to him. And God, forgive me for not trusting you. How many times have you come through for me? How many times have you come through for me? Every time. God is with you in the process. Are you in process this morning? Are you in something right now that you are just feeling, I got to quit? I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't have faith right now. Just like that 
servant that came to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but he had some unbelief. Help me in my unbelief. Why don't we stand to our feet, and we're going to read a pretty good portion of Scripture together. But like I was saying before, let's put our hands over our hearts. Think about God as your loving Heavenly Father. Picture Him right here with you right now. And I believe that as we're reading this scripture, stuff's going to start to kind of, like a movie, go through your mind of how God's faithfulness, how God was faithful through your life. And that's what you remind yourself of every single time the devil tries to say, you're not going to make it, or you don't deserve this. God is accusing you. He's judging you because you have sin. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Conviction's a good thing. But don't listen to that voice. Listen to the voice of your Father. So I'm going to read this. You can close your eyes. You can do whatever you want. But I want you to identify with this word. And then we're going to sing a song together. As for us, we have all these great clouds, uh, great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. It's not just the Hebrews 11 heroes of faith. It's the witnesses around you. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has been already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith in us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners and who opposed their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. After all, you have not yet reached the point of sweating blood in your opposition to sin, and you have forgotten. And have you forgotten the encouraging words spoken to you as his children? Now listen to this. He said, my child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord God. Or get depressed when he has to correct you. For the Lord's training of your life is evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training. For he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? We all should welcome God's discipline as a validation of authentic sonship. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves we are strangers and not sons. And isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers even though they corrected and disciplined us? Then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God, our spiritual 
Father as we submit to his life-giving discipline. Life-giving discipline. Our parents corrected us for a short time of our childhood as it has seemed good to them, but God corrects us throughout our lives for our own good, giving us an invitation to share in his holiness. It's a process of holiness. Amen? Now, all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time, but we've got to fix our focus. We've got to fix it off of the natural and onto the supernatural, onto God's perspective. But later, it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. So be made strong, even in your weakness, by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship. And strengthen your weak knees. For as you keep walking forward on God's paths, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. That's a good word. A lot of us needed to hear that. God is training you. God is building in you the faith to move mountains. God wants you to share in his holiness. So whatever process that you are in this morning in your life right now, fix your focus. Turn your eyes to the hills. Your help comes from him. Come to God today. We're going to sing a, a song here together. Let's just grab my acoustic. But as, we, as I get my guitar, can we just lift our hands right now and just begin to thank your Father out loud. Let's start to pray together. Go ahead and start giving thanks. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Go ahead. Come on, Faith Church. Let's go. Lift it up. Enthrone him on your praise. Lord, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you are with us in the process. We place our trust in you. We fix our eyes on you, Lord. We thank you for building in us the faith to move mountains. Let's sing this together. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. The fountain I drink from always my soul. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide. The ransom for my life always my song. You are, you are good. Good, oh, you are good, good, oh, let's worship him. You are good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh, let the king, let the king of my heart sails, the anchor in the waves, always my soul. Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days, 
Oh, he is my song. Come on, church. You are good. Good. Oh, 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 you're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, come on, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. Yeah! You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. He's faithful. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. For you are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Oh, you are good, you're good. Good, good, oh, hallelujah. That was one of the best messages I've ever heard. Yes, sir. Plays for the Patriots. And the ball is inflated, I promise you. And, and Tom Brady would have thrown that better, so that's really on me. That was a wonderful word. But earlier he was talking about coming down for if you have any issues, especially in your physical body.